Welcome back, everybody, to the Angry Christian Podcast. It's been easily, well, it was before Thanksgiving uh, that we did our last episode, and that one was kind of a pre-recorded, uh, bringing in um, our own special stories and then stories from you, our listeners, which, by the way, is I think our second or third top-ranked episode currently in downloads, so clearly it had a bit of a personal resonation with a lot of people, and I think it it was a really neat way for us to kind of uh, showcase just uh, the season that we're going into and kind of hit on um, just memories and traditions that everybody might hold, and it gave us a little bit of a break from being the ones to have to carry the show and let you, our listeners, be the host for a day. So that was a really cool thing, um, and I was excited to release it. Um, if you didn't catch that, go check it out. It's the episode before this one, and it is called Our Happy Holidays. Uh, we are now, uh, well, as of the recording of this, we are uh, a about a week away from Christmas. Um, and uh, so I'm not sure if we're going to release this episode next week or the, probably next week. Yeah, it'll be next Tuesday. So that's Christmas Eve. Oh, snap. Um, I can't believe that 2019 is almost over, which brings us into the whole reason that we're recording this episode, and that is we wanted to do a 2019 year in review. Um, There are three-fifths of the hosts here, so it's me, Jonathan, and Michael here with you tonight. Sorry, Michael the Wise, and we are all here together. Uh, Brian wasn't able to join us, and Robert wasn't able to join us, but uh, we will try and do our best to make up for their awesome contributions through our own personalities and amazing wittiness. So we are here to bring it to you, whether they are or not. Uh, but tonight we have uh, just kind of a review. Uh, we're going to hit a few things, um, some major events that took place in the year 2019, the year of our Lord. And we are going to hit some of those. And then uh, we're probably going to talk about um, things that may have been personal events in our life. Um, I know that everybody goes through changes. Every year is different. Um, There may be similarities to the year before, but it is a different season. It is a different time. It has its new challenges and victories and various things. And so uh, we can look back now that we are in December. We can look back over the last 11 months, and we can see where uh, we have been and where we have come and kind of get excited and looking forward to 2020, which, by the way, uh, guys, I, I've always thought that this was a special year, not because um, of the Mayan calendar or anything like that. Um, but for me, the, you know, if you know anything about vision, the concept of 2020, right? Um, I've been through a lot over the last couple of years personally. I'm not going to go into it just yet. We'll get into that baby later. But I just look at 2020 as kind of the year of of things becoming clearer for me, hopefully in my life and hopefully in yours. Um, So 2020 has kind of a significant uh, meaning to me as far as like what I expect and hope out of the next year. Um, But tonight we are going to talk about 2019. And uh, honestly, I don't know where to start. 2019 was a crazy year, guys. Very. Um. There were so many different things. I mean, we could hit on religious events. We could hit on terrorist attacks. We could hit on political events. Uh, we could talk about Greta Thunberg, whatever her name is. Um, uh, we could talk about all sorts of things. But um, we're, we're just going to highlight 
because I Jonathan sent over to our group a website called onthisday.com and for the it has historical events in 2019 and there are 1230 events and we're going to go through all of those tonight. <laughs> all right, let's get started. So January 1st, George the last Hawaiian tree snow of his kind. <laughs> Scientific <laughs> words I would not pronounce dies at the University of Hawaii age 14 years. All that right. was a. I don't even know who that is, but he sounds important since he made the list. It was George. It was a Hawaiian tree snail. He was That's of his the last of his kind. Come on, Brad. You need to do your background. Come on. Was he slow? Was he slow? Yeah, do you he even care? He's a snail, right? <laughs> <laughs> That's probably why he died. He couldn't outrun death. Oh. Oh. Or whatever ate him, because it doesn't say how he died. It just says he died. Oh, we know how he died. <laughs> we know how this ends. And why is that even a famous death? It's a. a snail. That's the first one. It was the first famous death of the year. Really? I thought the first famous death of the year was America. Twenty eighteen. Oh. oh. <laughs> Bob Einstein, the brother of Albert Einstein. No, just kidding. Um. He was apparently an American comedian. Uh, don't know who he was, but he died. That's important for us to keep in mind. It that is. He, him along with George the Snail. Uh, now, these are all wonderful. The most important death of the year, though, in my personal opinion, let me scroll down to it, was Luke Perry, the actor from Beverly Hills 90210, and the father on Riverdale to Archie. I love Luke Perry. Anybody else? Anybody else feel me? No. I don't want to be honest with how well I know him. That is, that's harsh. <laughs> Apparently, I am the only person who cares about Luke Perry. Um, yeah, no, he was he was the first person I noticed on the list that what? I actually recognized um, as a person of note, which is sad because... <laughs> There's probably some other people in here who are known for a lot of better things. So I'm looking for someone that I actually know died recently who I thought should be fairly popular, and they're not listed. Who are you looking for? Who would that be? I'll let you Do- know once I remember their name fully. Doris Day. <laughs> she died in May. Two days before my wedding. Uh, no, one day before my wedding anniversary. The Evangelist. The, oh, Reinhard Bonnke. Yeah, he's not on here. Well, no, probably That's not. It's really I, not surprising. No, but he just died, like last week. So is yeah. that... They've got up to oh. December 14th on here. December 14th. That is sad. Um, if anybody is not sure of who Reinhard Bonnke is... Um, Michael, do you know who he is? I know who he yeah. is. I just didn't know if you have heard of him. He yeah. was an evangelist in Africa. Well, yeah, you probably do know him since you've been to Africa on missions trips. <laughs> um, but it was he wasn't just in Africa either. I mean, he did India and yeah. But he's from what too. Germany, I think. Yeah, I think he is. He was, he was a German missionary um, who I think is is impossible to put a number to the number of people that he has witnessed um, become uh, born again through his um, evangelistic outreaches. He would do these huge events um, all over the place, and people just flocked 
from miles and miles around uh, to hear him speak. And um, of course, they were a lot of them were probably listening through a trans translator. Um, but he had a, a huge impact. Uh, you know, it could be argued that he was maybe even potentially a modern day David Livingston, like somebody who got in there and just went to the people and just poured it out um, and saw a lot of crazy uh, things happen in his time in a good way, like supernatural things. Um, so he, he died, what, last week? Yeah, I can't even remember how to spell his name. Ryan Hard. I remember if it was the last week or the week Oh, God. This is terrible. I just saw somebody. It's. <laughs> I shouldn't laugh at this. Um, but somebody had wrote a, uh, a, a fake piece, like a, uh, a satirical piece that said Reinhardt Monkey raised from the dead. Um, uh. <laughs> isn't that terrible? That is terrible. Actually, the New York Times referred to him as the Billy Graham of Africa. That's what I was going to say. I used to, when Billy Graham died, I realized that somebody I worked with did not know who he was, which really? was kind of wow, mind-blowing. And I gave yeah, the story really that basically, is. probably if you're a Christian in America, either the person who helped you on your walk to Christ, the person who helped them on their walk to the Christ, or the person who helped them, probably came to Christ through Billy Graham. And I'd say Reinhard Bonnke could be the non-American version of that. Oh, True. yeah, absolutely. According to Wikipedia, he oversaw at least 75 million recorded conversions. Gee. it's awesome. He was a German Pentecostal evangelist, uh, principally known for his gospel missions in Africa. 75 million. Um, not that people are counting noses um, or... Nah. But or suggesting that you're less of a Christian because you haven't seen that many. But that's impressive, and that, in my opinion, speaks to just the supernatural work that God had through Rein, Reinhard Bonnke. Because that's crazy. I mean, that's just unfathomable. Unf- I can't even say the word. Unfathomable. Because um, he's been there since 1967, is what it says. Mm. 1967... Uh, he was 79 when he died. Uh, let's see. Um, I go back. You you did say 77 million, right? Uh, back. Let me go back here. 75 million, but close. Yeah, yeah. I was just clearing that up because it, <laughs> it sounded like seven million. I was like, God, that's a lot. But you're talking. <laughs> A very large chunk of the United States. <laughs> yeah, yeah. What What's interesting? He um, he was born in 1940 in East Prussia, Germany. His uh, father was an army logistics officer, and he was taken to Denmark during the evacuation of East Prussia, um, where they basically became displaced for a long time. And then at age nine, so 1949, he became a Christian. And then he left for missionary work in Africa at the age of 10. Amazing. After war service, his father became a pastor. It doesn't say, 
I'm assuming his father did not serve in the Nazi army. Um, probably the Prussian army. Um, but yeah, it says he, yeah, at the age of 10 and said that he had the, uh, he went left for missionary work at age 10. Um, that just makes my brain explode. Um, and then, yeah, African mission. He founded the mission in 1974, uh, the organization group Christ for All Nations, which I have heard of. Yep. Um, was originally based out of Johannesburg, South Africa, but then was relocated to Frankfurt, Germany in 1986, which was a great year. I was four years old. Um, yeah. So now that organization has nine offices spanning five continents. Not to mention the 75 million people uh, that he has led to the Lord. Uh, it says in 1984, he commissioned a construction of what was to be the largest mobile structure. It was a tent, a tent that could seat 34,000. Ooh, pretty amazing. It was destroyed pretty in a windstorm before the first meeting. And so, uh, was destroyed in a windstorm just before a major meeting. And therefore the team decided to hold the event in the open air. According to this account, the event was then subsequently attended by over 100,000 people which would have been far greater than the tent could have held. Um, yeah, that's crazy. Crazy. So, yeah, that's definitely, I would definitely rank that as, uh, as, as far as Christians are concerned, probably a major uh, event and a recent event, no less. Um, looking to see... Um, oh yes, this is not Christian, but this was political, but, uh, it made the news and was pretty big back in October. You had Abu Bakr al-Baghdadi, uh, who was taken out as the Islamic State leader. Uh, the East was Ice- October 26th. Yep. October 26th. Yep. He was taken out, uh, though he says he committed suicide, but effectively he was like, I'm not going to go down. Well, um, by your guns, I'm going to take myself out. So he did. Um, that was a pretty big deal as far as the political realm is concerned as it upset a lot of people and they were more upset actually at Donald Trump of all things. Um, <laughs> and I'm, I'm not even a Donald Trump supporter, but I just find it fascinating that um, there were people so angry with Donald Trump over this. And seem to forget what happened with Obama and the body of, um, what was his name? Bin Laden. Bin Laden. And how he mysteriously got dumped in the ocean on their way back. (laughs) Nothing really mysterious about it. There wasn't a whole lot left. No. (laughs) No. No, I just, it's, nobody made a stink about that. Um, But... You know, they get mad at Donald Trump because he, whatever, made a comment that seemed to be less than um, supporting of al Baghdadi. <laughs> yeah, yeah. They, everybody likes to, now to be honest, there was a little bit of uh, hubbub over, and it was not directed at Obama, but directed at the Navy for 
because people just wanted more closure. They wanted, uh, you know, photos and all this other nonsense. But uh, ultimately, uh, people were just glad the bad man was gone. And in this case, um, in this case, uh, you know, he's in pieces. And uh, (laughs) he rest in pieces. Rest in pieces. Um, I wonder if he was singing that song, Jingle Bombs. (laughs) All right, Ahmed. I cue you. (laughs) Oh my! Oh boy! Um, But yeah, yeah. They everybody wants to get in their little tribe and rant and rave and all that. There was a lot of that this year. Not just with and Trump. granted, and the, and the thing is, you know, Trump, he, uh, he, uh, yeah, he didn't, he didn't kill anybody. He, he, uh, and he didn't even order the mission. He knew about the mission, just like Obama. Obama took credit, and everybody was fine with Obama and giving Obama credit. Sure, but the reality is, the commander in chief goes, "All right, go get these guys." What happens between then and the conclusion of the of that uh, set of missions or all that? I mean, there is a lot that goes into it with a lot of people, and the president's hands are never on it. Right. So it's it's just silly. I mean, it's silly for people to get upset about it. The the president's representing the country by standing up and going, "Look, we got the bad dude," mm-hmm. you know, in the story. Yeah. No, no doubt. Um, it's it's funny. Uh, what people get worked up over because, you know, which makes me think about several things that took place this year in the Christian world. Um, I can think of three, three, three events that happened since like the summer outside of Reinhard Bonnke that um, I couldn't help but respond to this entire thing that I saw. Um, But there is developed and I feel like it's in the last couple years, um, Maybe more so this year. Maybe I just notice it more because um, I'm trying to personally get out of this. Uh, But I have noticed this severe development of what I would call the Christian outrage culture. Um, (laughs) And I saw it with, it really became pronounced with, with old Johnny Mac, Johnny MacArthur and Beth Moore. Um, And then we saw it again, you know, (laughs) It just cracks me up. Everybody was this huge supporter of Chick-fil-A. And then Chick-fil-A makes an announcement about redirecting, you know, their their foundation's donations. And, you know, you can take issue with that or not. But suddenly uh, they fell from being God's chicken uh, to being God's forsaken chicken. Um, all all within a day. Like, and, and I just saw Christians, like blasting a chicken restaurant a chicken restaurant vehemently for not being christian enough in their opinion and i'm like it's a chicken restaurant people and we saw that with john MacArthur and beth moore and then we saw it with kanye west and you know it's just like my brain can't wrap around when and how and why this Christian outrage culture got started. But I just feel like we've seen these events that took place this year really kind of put a microscope or maybe a magnifying glass 
on these particular things that it just it's dumbfounding to me frankly um i don't think it's very uh, becoming of christians and i think that was a major event and it was multiple events but i think it was a major event that took place in my my personal perspective of of a lot of people that i used to be close to um, or that used to be supportive of me. And what I realized was um, 2019, this is just kind of like a personal side note, but like seeing those events and then seeing the responses to those events events um, reminded me of my not so distant person that I was and realized, man, it wasn't that long ago. I would have been just like these people. They would have been patting me on the back because I would have been saying just the same things, if not worse things. And, you know, that, uh, it made me more frustrated with myself because I was like, really? That's what I was like for this, you know, X number of years. So maybe I won't be waiting till 2020 for things to become a little clearer. <laughs> but, what'd you send me, John? You sent me something here. I'm just finding interesting stuff. We can talk about that later. It's like it's like in Frozen uh, Two, which is I haven't seen that yet. <laughs> uh, it's and and Olaf that was a significant event. Exactly, and Olaf says uh, everything's everything makes sense when you're older. Yeah, and, and no, it doesn't. <laughs> everything makes kind of sense the, in summer. Uh, oh, well, he says when you're older, but uh, but uh, that kind of that's kind of the thesis. Oh yeah, spoiler alert. Yeah, late for that, but. Thanks yeah, a lot. That's kind of the thesis that nothing, you know, it doesn't make sense. So when we when we look for greater clarity, the only clarity we've got is the Word of God. Other than that, we're just cruising through the fog. Uh, it's it's like all this, uh, like you're saying about Chick Fil A. I mean, to be honest, I'm still digesting uh, digesting the <laughs> whole situation. Because there are some good points from both sides. I mean, it is silly. The the, the vehement craziness uh, and, and vitriol is ridiculous. There, there's no, no place for that. However, some of the uh, key points as to where the money that Chick-fil-A has made a, a strong commitment through the years as a bastion of uh, evangelical causes and... Right. Um, and it's sort of uh, been a little, little small outpost in a in a culture that's so much against uh, Christianity. And now it seems like those walls have fallen a bit. And and some of the things that Chick Fil A is uh, giving money to are very questionable from a, from a perspective. I would not give my money to them. Period. And so when I do business with Chick Fil A, am I, uh, you know, giving money to them by default? And that—that's the question that comes into play. And uh, I, I get it. I get the the thing, but that's something that needs to be mulled over. It's not something that you just come out and go, "Bring out the torches," because we cannot have you know, you know, you spent a penny of this here and there. Somebody posted where where there was a a, a group that Chick Fil A is supporting, and that group drove a teenager to an abortion clinic. All right. I, it it was this big thing. First off. 
I could could not get solid verification. I saw saw some little details, and I'm like, eh, okay, I can kind of see what you're getting, but give me the the this person was going for this reason fact, not the yeah. I mean, otherwise, it's it's all hearsay, which the same people would would rail against Trump's impeachment situation right now because it's based on hearsay, which right. it is in fact based on hearsay. Um, again, I didn't vote for President Trump, but um, you know, I can call a spade a spade like anybody else can. And sure, he's a he's a blibbering uh, blowhard, <laughs> but that doesn't and make him an evil person. Oompa loompa, and, you gotta put that yeah, in there too. I mean, I mean, and I, I I respect the office of the president. Sure, I didn't vote for Obama either, and and there were many things he did I had a great problem with, and there's many things that Trump does I have a great problem with. There were also some things. And to be honest, they were pretty far and few between that Obama did that I appreciated. And there have been other things. There have been more, but uh, not to my liking, that Trump has done. Um, right. And and it's sort of like that with Chick Fil A. You know, when you when you're dealing with a world, our world is sinful. Our world is not a Christian world, and our nation is not a Christian nation. Contrary to popular belief, I mean, yes, we were founded on Judeo-Christian principles, and that should always be be uh, uh, appreciated and lauded and fought for. We got to fight to keep it. At the same time, we got to face the reality that our primary goal, our primary mission, is the glorification of God in ourselves to help bring the world around to that. And it's not browbeating the world around us to come around to our way of thinking. It's to show them why we think the way that we do. Mm-hmm. Yeah. No, I, and, and I and I don't think there's anything wrong with pointing out legitimate concerns or whatnot. But well, well, let's piggyback know. on that then. Um, Netflix. Mm-hmm. You've seen the situation there currently. This is 2019 still. Where their Brazilian branch, a comedy troupe in their Brazilian branch, um, uh, made a uh, a parody of Jesus uh, going to see Mary and Joseph as a as a younger man, and he's got a friend with him. And the the parody is this friend is secretly a gay lover. They don't mm-hmm. ever come out and say it. They're just kind of yeah, that's sick. It's disgusting. It really ticks me off. It it bothers me greatly. Right. At the same time, they're not Christians. <laughs> right. It's like, what do you expect? Right. They they they. And I, I mean, I hope they don't purport to be because you can't have that much of a skewed view of Jesus Christ and say you're a Christian. That's just it. It doesn't mesh. But um. But at the same time, I assuming that they're not Christians. It's sort of like when Christians get all up in arms about Muslims not wanting, you know, not understanding how Muslims don't want Muhammad drawn. Um, It's kind of, I have a hard time with it because, yeah, I want to defend my Lord and my Savior who I love so much. At the same time, he didn't really call me to that. Right. Not what not once did he say go and burn down Rome because uh you know They're because the pagans <laughs> yeah the pagans treated me like crap. I mean that's not how it works. 
I, now, at the same time, should we give our money to Netflix and support that kind of stuff? Uh, there's a different argument there. That's I was just I... looking. It's funny to me because I was just looking in 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 10, 11, 12. There's at least 30 movies on Netflix right now that are Christian movies. The Gospel of John, Peter the Redemption, mm. uh, the Samson movie, God's Not Dead, The Case for Christ, so on and so forth. Now, does that make, is it like uh, diluting the, uh, or diluting the situation? No, it's not the case. I mean, wolf in sheep's clothing argument there. But uh, <laughs> but anyway, I, I say all that to say it's not a cut and dry bring your torches out and burn down Frankenstein's house kind of situation. Sure. No. And, and I, you know, I, I actually had a thought in line with that today. Um, I was thinking about, um, you mentioned like Rome and burn, you know, burning, torching up the place because of them living like pagans that they were. Uh, but I'm trying to find it here. Here we go. You know, I think about, you know, I know this is kind of a sidetrack, a little rabbit trail, but I think it's in line with just kind of the, the thoughts of the events that have taken place and what what I'm seeing begin to become the basis of the Christian culture in America. It's, it's more about what we're angry at <laughs> yeah, um, absolutely. than what we stand for. And I, I just wrote this this morning. Um, I said it's an interesting study the life of a true Christian. When one looks through the pages of history at the lives of Christians, Christians who are legitimately Christian in all areas of life, being shown and known by the fruits of the Spirit, from Galatians 5, 22-23, they are found to be bringers of hope to a hopeless society, and yet those in power over that society, um, they are inevitably seen as a threat. Um, They're not seen as a threat because they bring some sort of message resembling hate or talking of overthrowing those in power, but because when they truly live out the life of a Christian, it reveals to the unbelieving world just how much more can be found in the hands of Jesus than could ever be found in the hands of someone in power. It scares those in power because they realize how quickly their measly power can slip from their fingers. When we look at the history of Christianity as it arose in Rome, those in power had begun to neglect the less fortunate, leaving them to die, not caring for the sick, homeless, widows, etc. And who came through to care for them? It was the Christians. Those in power felt threatened because as Christians loved on and cared for those in their community, they began to rise in their numbers as people were drawn into this supernatural culture. Those in power just couldn't take that. So for a while, actually, um, and if you do any research, you'll know that the Christians became the scapegoat for a lot of Rome's problems. Oh, absolutely. Um, so, um, but again, what I wanted to take notice of was that the threat wasn't because Christians were were being angry or th- over th- trying to overthrow those who were in power, but it was because they, they were taking care of the less fortunate they were loving one another, and they were putting on display the power and love of Jesus to a society who didn't have any real understanding of God or of Jesus or of real love, any of that. Um, you know, and it and it could have been the end of Christianity, but I think because of that, because of the way they were living, 
God bless that. And they, it, it continues to this day. 2,000 years later, we still have Christianity. It's the largest religion in the world, and that's not by any mistake. Um, you know, it's because there's something different about Christians. And But when we get so wrapped up in this in outrage culture mindset, suddenly everybody's an enemy, everything's an issue, um, and, and everything becomes more about, you know, what we're mad at for the day than how we're well, taking... Well, it's all about threats. I mean, I mean we, oh, yeah. you look at, you look, how, do, how does the uh, caliphate grow? The caliphate grows through... Uh, through intimidation and uh, violence. Yes. Well, we're not breaking out AK-47s, but we're we're we very much incorporate intimidation. I've heard practices. Christians talk about whipping out guns. Sadly, yes. Uh, but the intimidation practices are definitely there. Now, don't get me wrong. I don't want to cave to sin in society just because. Sure. But I believe there's a true balance now. And two, I hear people say all the time, well, God, God, the God of the Old Testament is still God today. Yeah, that's very true. And guess what? That same God of the Old Testament that destroyed Sodom and Gomorrah, he said he's going to do the same thing to the earth. So it's coming. We don't oh, yeah. want to be here when it does. <laughs> yeah. It's coming. It's not ours to, it's not ours to give. It's not ours to, to take that way. We have a different mission. We're actually, we're supposed to be Lot in the city. <laughs> Saying, get your crap together, you know. Right. This day, this day is coming. Not, hey, uh, stall this day by by uh, making sure you keep this crap off my Netflix. I mean, now again, let's back up. That doesn't mean that we buy into it, but I tell you what, it does mean. It does mean that when it does get more uncomfortable, and it does mean that we really start to really look different from the rest of the world. Mm. Um, because we're not doing those things, and it's becoming more and more common. Uh, you know, I truly believe that uh, homosexual relationships are sin, plain and simple, as laid out in the Word of God. Um, but the hate and the the uh, vile way in which the homosexual community is treated, um, yeah. Is, is not justification. It is not at, at in any means. Um, yeah. I uh, in, in, in just because there's a militant faction there as well that comes out and attacks. Guess what? That's going to happen. The devil, the the works of the devil are going to fight back. And these are people just like we are. We we have a hard enough time on our own with Jesus Christ at, at our back. Actually, really, at our front, leading the way, mm -hmm. um, we have a hard enough time as it is uh, with him fighting against these things in our because of our own passions. Can you imagine if you took Jesus out of the picture? <laughs> you you have no hope of fighting your passion. No. You know, so, I was thinking. I think about you know what you were just talking about with all that. My our pastor during his sermon. Uh, I don't know, maybe a week or two ago, he um, he made the comment of, or the question he took, made the question of, uh, you know, who is at your table? Uh, he was talking about like the feasts and who you should invite to your table, and um, you know that it, uh, he, I can't remember what um, 
scripture he was using, but it was the one about the master inviting people to the banquet and everybody turned it down. So he invited the poor and the destitute and um, all all of them to his table. And so anyway, I, I'm saying all this because I, I posted that on, on my social media uh, because I thought that was a significant question about, you know, who is at your table? Who really is sitting with you at, at the table? Is it, are you only surrounding yourself with those who you agree with 100% of the time that you can never feel challenged about your beliefs that you're never feeling uncomfortable about living your life as a Christian in front of, or, you know, are you, have you surrounded yourself with people um, that demand that you live your life as a Christian in front of them? And I posted that. And one of I think it was the first response came from a friend of mine um, who is actually uh, a homosexual, and he, he said, he goes, as far as I know, he goes, you've always been one who has invited people to your table, no matter whether you know whether or not you agreed with them or not. And and the reason he said that was because the first time he came to our church, um, he and I had met each other because I was in my my outrage christian culture mindset at the time and i had made a comment on social media about gay marriage i think it was on the city paper facebook page and he jumped on oh, there nice. yeah and he jumped on there <laughs> never met the guy and he started blasting me um and then he took it to a, a private message and he sent it to me personally he said look he goes, I'm just going to send all this to you personally because I don't want to get into it on the public side of things. And, you know, he proceeded to, you know, light into me again. Um, and I responded, you know, trying to clarify my position and explain that I wasn't saying these things because I hated gay people and all that stuff. And uh, by the end of that conversation, he was a little more, um, I guess, cooled down what was fascinating was the next day he sends me a text message and he goes, what church do you go to? And I told him and he said, really? I said, yep. He goes, how would you, would you be open to me coming to your church on Sunday? And I was like, sure. I mean, why would I be against you coming to my church? He's like, cause I'm gay. And I was like, I have no problem with you coming to my church as a gay man. And, um, he's like, okay. Um, I would like to come to your church. And, I was like, cool. And then a few minutes later, uh, my wife and I were talking about it, and we were like, you know what? We should invite him to our house after church for lunch. So I messaged him back, and I was like, hey, man, I um, would love to have you at my house um, and just you know, have lunch. And he was like, me? And I was like, yeah. He's like, okay, sure. So he, he like paused for a very long time there. And uh, sure enough, he came came to our house and we sat down my whole family with him and we ate and then we sat and we made coffee and dessert and we talked for like two hours and you know when he left I gave him a big hug and we've been friends ever since so it's been probably five or six years now and uh you know he hasn't he hasn't changed in his perspective on on homosexuality um, but that's not my job to change him um but he, I haven't changed on my perspective on it either. <laughs> and um, so his comment a couple weeks ago on that thing just really struck me. Um, 
that that was a significant enough event in our personal lives that he he took note of that. Right. What did change is his perception of you as a Christian. What is right. a Christian? Right. Exactly. That yeah, we can disagree, and I you know, and we're going to because as long as he holds that perspective, I have to disagree because I feel like it's against the Bible. But at the same time, I'm not against him as a person, and um, and he knows that. And I've demonstrated it a few times. Um, in fact, I took him to a men's conference for our church a few years back up in Chicago, and he went with us. And um, a- actually, everybody in our group treated him really well. And uh, he was actually really impressed and really, really happy with the event and and going with us. Uh, but for me, that just demonstrates that this outrage culture, it doesn't have to exist the way that it does. You know, the responses that we've seen towards Chick-fil-A and towards Kanye West and towards John MacArthur and Beth Moore, none of that has to exist. We can hold our perspectives. We can have our opinions we can believe the things that we're going to believe, and we can disagree with one another passionately if we want, but we have to be able to find the ability to do that and maintain respect and love and honor towards people. And I've heard people, when I say things like that, this is what really pisses me off with some Christians, is I will say that and they'll say, I don't have to respect anybody who's living in sin. Exactly. And I look at them and I go, you, my friend, once were that person. And without Jesus, you're automatically they are, period. I mean, it's it's crazy to think Yeah. what would happen. if. You, and I wonder if sometimes I think about my struggles personally and how much I let the Lord down and I want to do so much for him. And I I think about how I struggle. And sometimes I wonder if that's part of the blessing, the struggle that I do have, because to be so wrapped up in comfort of your, of your position that you, you don't ever feel the tinge of that pain um, that, that others might feel that aren't that don't have Jesus, that you don't feel that that what it's like to to see your life as if Jesus were taken out of the picture. Yeah, it's it's almost like having a different view of life, uh, where other people just kind of go about with their heads in the sand. Yeah. Uh, you know, um, I. It's always going to be difficult. We're talking about events this year, um, and this is very current. But last mm-hmm. week, there was an attack in Kenya on a bus near the Somali border mm. uh, in which um, al-Shabaab, uh, a Mujahideen group, killed 11 people. And uh, we're talking about how the events around us kind of show how the church is separate from the world. Uh, we're talking about Chick-fil-A and all that, but... <clears throat> The uh, this event that occurred was covered ver- two very different ways. Uh, in Al Jazeera, it was covered that a group, just a group, uh, killed uh, Kenyan who the, who were people who were perceived to be uh, 
how did they word it? It was it was similar to saying outsiders, people who were perceived to be outsiders. That's how Al Jazeera reported it. <clears throat> right. Christian Post, through the ICC's information, reported that this was actually a group that got on the bus, separated um, locals from non-locals, and then had them recite the uh, uh, Muslim creed. And if they mm. did not recite the creed, they would be killed. And so they killed, they were looking for Christians, and they killed who they perceived to be a living Christian. That's the world. That's the world that we are shielded from. Mm. As we argue over Chick-fil-A and, <laughs> right. and Netflix and all this, that, that's the world we're shielded from. Now, I don't see in the Bible where Jesus says uh, gives... Uh, a, a description where, where Paul gives a description of how the FCA is supposed to act. I don't see in the Bible where Paul gives a description on how Chick-fil-A is supposed to act. But I do see where Paul gives a description on how the church is supposed to act. Yep. And we, we as the body of the church. Um, so I'll just leave that there. <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, when you think about it, there's only, in a party of two people, there's only one person we have control over anyway. That's, that's ourselves exactly right. yeah. and I can control how I speak I can control how I respond I can tr control how I treat somebody those are the only things I can personally control how they yeah, receive that right. how they respond to that is entirely on them but that doesn't remove the responsibility from myself to make sure that I am communicating clearly kindly, lovingly patiently all the wonderful things of spiritual fruit or the fruit of the spirit and all the things that we see in first Corinthians 13. Yep. Um, are you, do you hear a cat meowing in the background? I did hear a cat meowing Slightly, in the background. Yes. I'm about to punch <laughs> that cat. Now, Brad. <laughs> Sherry, Goose can you father. take care of that stupid cat? <laughs> she just, the cat walks in and just starts going, meow, meow. <laughs> see the devil getting in here new cats are the devil um wow and this but, one's a black cat with yeah so 2019 we've seen very very not just uh the vitriol of the church uh in our in our outrage culture but uh politics and the church's role in playing in politics but especially the politics democrats versus republicans this whole impeachment thing it's right. funny you were talking about sitting down with people because I, through all of this, I have asked myself many times, could I sit in a room with certain people? And I will, I'm telling you, there are just people that I would just want to choke the life out of sitting across from them. Nancy Pelosi. Adam Schiff. Adam Schiff, Nancy Pelosi, Donald Trump, Rudy no. Giuliani. I don't, I, I just... They are nerve-wracking individuals, <laughs> but and, and they try every bit of patience in my soul. I honestly, I honestly do wish I could sit in a room with them because I want, I want to reconcile that in myself. You know what I mean? I want to be like, I did it. <laughs> I'm good. I'm good. Thank you, Lord Jesus. You, you, I did it. But, uh, but yeah, I, I just in, in thinking through that, I'm like, oh. How do you? How do these people 
deal, that's, you know, look at themselves the new, in the mirror on a daily basis. That's the new internet um, challenge. Oh, yeah, yeah. Sit, sit in a room with a bunch of people that you want to punch in the face and sit don't with punch a them in the face. The sit with a politician challenge. I Can like you do it? Five, <laughs> min- <laughs> five minutes in a room with Nancy. <laughs> Instead of five minutes in heaven, it'll be called five minutes in hell. <laughs> but, you know, I, I just, a little levity. Uh, 2019, it's not just the church, it's, just, it's the whole culture in general, man. How many protests? And Now, there are some protests uh, seeking for freedom and democracy. you got that going on in Hong Kong right now, still going on after months, where the students primarily primarily leading the democracy protests against the Chinese government and they're reneging on the uh, agreement with the British after handing over Hong Kong. Yeah. Um, well, that was a big deal. The, the protests that have been going on there um, and the, and just the response, which is interesting that the responses we're seeing from the Christian Chinese people there. Oh, it, yes. It's amazing. In the midst of all of that, they have been, it's been, counter to what we see here in America. Like they're they're angry but it's a different type of anger. It's it's not just outrage because their political guy is not um being given a fair shake like the other guy's political guy. Um oh yeah, yeah, this comes uh, on the heels of destruction of of many churches there. There yeah. was uh, the largest People... church near Shanghai. The largest uh, non-denominational church near Shanghai was uh, bulldozed. Yeah, and several Christians have been locked up. There's a there's another um, church that's called um, I think they're called the Latter Rain Church. I think that's right. Yeah, and like almost that entire congregation got locked up, including the pastor. I mean, we're talking for like six months or more. Um, some of them are just now getting released. Some of them still have not been released. Some of them, they still don't know where they are. Are they are? I mean, that's that's the type of people, or that's the type of situation for the Christians there in China. So their response, their their frustration, their anger is due to legitimate concerns over their future and well-being in a, in literal physical existence we aren't there yet but we sure as heck act like we're there oh yeah and and, and, you know that there is a there are people that say uh uh, you know that they fight for us to not be there no i I get that i i mean again i think there's i've i've very much uh let me be careful about how I say this because I don't want to equate our positions. Sure. But I very much uh, understand Dietrich Bonhoeffer's, you know, his his diametric uh, argument when he first believed that there was no cause for violence in the Christian faith. Mm-hmm. Um, and then, as World War II began to pick up, and he saw the evils being done against the Jews. He realized that in order to stop great evil, sometimes you have to snuff it out, and sure. uh, and, and and began the plot to assassinate Hitler. Yeah, and I think uh, there's le- legitimate reason for those types of things. I'm not a Christian pacifist, um, 
by any stretch of the means. Um, I, I think there are, de- you know, I'm a firm believer in self-defense, um, and, and I believe that the Bible calls us as husbands and fathers to defend our family and protect our family. Um, so I, I, think, I think there are certainly reasons for that. I don't believe that we have faced anything in America in my lifetime that is even remotely close to something like that. Right. Um, sure, there's frustrations with Bibles being allowed in public school, but guess what? Homeschool's still a thing. Private school's still a thing. Um, and you know what? I'm not sure if you what you're expecting from a government-run education system. Um, anytime you put any program in the hands of the government, it's going it's going to stand the chance of being corrupted by whoever's in power. Um, right. You know, so which is why I'm a firm, firm, firm believer in in probably a, a much more of a libertarian view of you know, just taking everything out of the hands of the government and just letting the people um, exhibit um, self-government, a lot more self-government, you know, and and the church can flourish if we would just exhibit our own (laughs) self-government. Problem is, is we can't even govern ourselves. Um, And so we put it in the hands of the government and then we get mad when the government doesn't do it the way that we would have done it. And, um, but we're nowhere close. This is, this is not Nazi Germany, Trump, Obama, Bill Clinton, George Bush, Ronald Reagan, George Bush, the first, uh, still all duly elected. Yeah. All duly elected. Not one of them was in danger, in my opinion, uh, of, of starting the third Reich. Um, Or the Fourth Reich, or the Fifth Reich, or the Sixth Reich, or any of those. Like, we we just aren't there as a people. But you know, we treat a lot of the events that take place as though they are on that level. And I think it's unfair to those who have been in that type of uh, environment uh, because there are still people that have that live to this day who suffered under those types of governments. Um, and it's unfair to them to try and even remotely compare our situation to what they endured. Um, but I do know that we do need to be as Christians. We need to look at the current events. We need to see the things that are going on around us, the things that have taken place. And we do need to be conscious, cautious, and vigilant, um, so that we aren't, so that we aren't caught by Because I do have to make a correction, uh, to my previous statement. I mean, Hitler was a duly elected representative of the German people. The first so time, we, yep. Right, we do we do have to stay vigilant in that cause, but again, it's it's about discernment, right? And uh, and here's the thing: not everybody is discerning, and especially in critical issues. And uh, we need to lean on one another a little more and listen listen a little more rather than than. Uh, saber rattling right because reality is those that have a discerning mind yeah because i mean the reality is 2020 is going to bring its own new challenges and yeah just ask barbara walters (laughs) baba wawa (laughs) (laughs) this is 2020 this is 2020 i am baba walter 
Um, that's probably terrible. I know. Um, What's that? <laughs> <laughs> you never seen the people make fun of Bar- Bar- Barbara Walters' uh, <laughs> speaking abilities. Yeah. Uh, yeah. <laughs> you know something that happened in in April that I think was a significant worldwide event. Um, it was more, in my opinion, a significant event in that it was more of a symbolistic type thing than uh, a true impact. Nobody got killed, um, but but Notre Dame burned down. The Cathedral of Notre Dame, to be exact, uh, not the co- not the college, the university. Um, that dang hunchback. That's right. If Quasimodo hadn't got up in the tower, um, <laughs> no, but uh, you know, it was it burned to the ground, and I think it was a very s- symbolic event because uh, if you know anything about just Christianity in Europe as a whole, um, it has become a hollow shell of itself from what it used to be. Uh, well, it's funny you bring that up because just uh, this past week or the week before, a report came out that uh, that the main Catholic charity, the Pope's main charity, that only that ninety percent of that money does not go to the cause in which it's purported to go to. So only ten percent of the funds actually go to the charity. That's work. terrible! Wow. Yeah, the rest goes to Vatican um, <clears throat> stuff. Yeah. But I mean, when you look at that event, people were so distraught over the building. Over the building. Don't get me wrong, it's a historical landmark. But the reality is, you know, it, it it's a building. They they showed more concern in Europe for this building than they have shown for the the condition of the church as a people there. Like there was like weeping and wailing and gnashing of teeth because this place went up in smoke. Now it didn't burn all the way down. Um, so it's not like it's unsalvageable and I think they are working toward salvaging it. But you know, it, it, it the, sim, the symbolism there of just a, a hollow empty building going up in flames uh, isn't lost on me, and you know it was a uh, it was watched by the whole world, um, and you oh know, yeah, I was I was stuck with the TV watching. Yeah, I mean it, it's like the the morning. It was definitely not anywhere on the level of nine eleven because you and I we were I don't know if we were together, but we were at CSU when that happened, and I just yep. remember being in the cafeteria, eating my breakfast, getting ready to go to work in downtown and all the TVs are showing these buildings blowing up. And, you know, a similar thing here because everybody was questioning, was this a terrorist attack? Did anybody get killed in this process at the, at the, um, Notre Dame? Um, but you just have to ask these questions of like, why do we find ourselves more glued to the TV over a building on fire? than being concerned over the fact that an entire continent of people have completely lost their way as a, as a church. 
Oh, yeah. Absolutely. Like, nobody bats an eye about the fact that that building is empty most of the time. Well, and I remember, I remember people, you know, it's a, it's a, it's an attack by militant Muslims. Uh, There was zero evidence to begin with to show that they were doing, they were doing uh, work on the cathedral itself. If anything, I I was more convinced it was an insurance fraud scam than anything else, but yeah, (laughs) and it could, uh, I mean, they're still technically investigating uh, portions uh, of the situation, but it turns out it's probably just based on what they found, it was probably just uh, neglect in the construction uh, of the renovations they were doing. Right. Agreed. And all that drew more tears and wailing than, sadly, things like abortion. Yeah. It's insane. The, what's the word? Our, our, um, priorities as a people. We are very very backward. I'm like, even scrolling through this list of events that Jonathan sent us, I am seeing more about actors and musicians than anything else. Everything in that list is either depressing or boring. Yeah. It's like, like, clearly, yeah, but I can guarantee you somebody sat through and read through this entire list. Um, Somebody wrote it, obviously. Um, Actually, it's probably somebody's job to sit there and read it because... Uh, updated daily. Know. Yep. <laughs> yeah. And then, of course, the news folks, they probably steal from it. That's true. Like, on August 25th, Double Dave, a rare two-headed timber rattlesnake found in Pine Barrens Forest, New Jersey. I Who would have that story. You remember? <laughs> oh, gosh. Is that twice the I poison? I really did. <laughs> Twice, twice oh, the yeah. poison. And who can, who can forget Storm Area Fifty One? I mean, oh, oh goodness! Why did that not happen? I wish that. <laughs> Why did it not? Because nobody wanted to die. People actually got smart <laughs> for a, a change. No, but I I would have paid money to just watch that disaster. It like, turned into a, basically a mini Burning Man. That's, that's yeah, what music festival. I will say that I did see some excellent videos that were created. From people who were like, this is what would happen if people stormed Area 51. Like, somebody took a video game, and it was like, all all these people <laughs> storming it and just getting blasted. And you're just like, yeah, <laughs> it would probably go down like that. Yeah, I like the guy that said, so you're going to storm a place because you think there's alien weapons inside. Uh, <laughs> you don't storm think they'll it- use them? We're going to storm in the walls with our love and our music. And a lot of glow sticks, apparently. And a lot and of anime of... running. Speaking that's, of which, my church is true. doing a glow stick Christmas on what? Christmas I'm, Eve. And I'm, I'm a little weirded out by that. Yeah. I so... don't know whether to go in and, and expect or anything like that. <laughs> Can I provide Are... the music for this service? <laughs> Please do. Our... <laughs> There's another significant event that we missed as well, and it happened on May 31st. And that is Robert Pattinson was announced as the next Batman. <laughs> this is this is significant because, well, they screwed up twice now. So they, they messed up and they put 
what's his name in there? See, he was so insignificant to me that I don't even remember his name at the moment. Well, what they figured is they just they can't go any worse after George Clooney. So oh gosh! Why not give everyone a shot? Well, they 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 kicked it up a notch with Christian Bale, and then they're like, you know what? We're gonna we're gonna throw it all in the toilet with Ben Affleck. You know, in reality, I've been, I've watched the other because I love Batman, but <laughs> I've watched the Christian Bale ones again yep. and again, and each time I'm like, you know, this really is not as good as I thought it was. Well, it wasn't I, even Christian Bale that was the better of the actors in the movies. No, it was Heath Ledger by far. Heath Ledger, and then uh, who was the the next bad guy? Bane. I liked Bane. Bane was good. Yeah, I know. People dogged him. It was actually pretty good. Yeah. Oh, I see why. Even though he talked like this. Jonathan, I see why. (laughs) I don't understand why you're so angry that I sound like Sean Connery. Um, So about Batman. Yeah, sorry. Uh... I'm really interested to see, uh, did y'all see the Halloween photos of Jensen Ackles, one of the guys from Supernatural? Yeah. yeah. Uh-uh. That's actually pretty good, actually. He what? he dressed up as Batman for Halloween, and I would actually be curious to see him in a Batman movie. So what you're saying is, fire Robert and hire him. Yeah. Well, what were they really, what I don't understand is the guy that plays Olaf, what's his name? Uh... Oh, if you hadn't said anything, he was in the new Beauty and the Beast. He was LeFou. Yeah, yeah. yeah and he yeah. he was gonna play the the penguin, um, but for whatever Josh reason, Gad. something Josh Gad. Yeah, it, for whatever reason, he backed out. Something he didn't like about it, he backed out. So they replaced him with uh, Colin Farrell. I I'm sorry, what? Don't, yeah. How does I that even make sense? It. No, I don't get it. So you repl- you replace a guy with the guy that played uh, Bullseye and. Daredevil? No. Why? The... <laughs> Why? <laughs> well, I don't understand. The guy who was Alexander the Great. Exactly. Oh, horrible movie. <laughs> now he's Alexander the Penguin. <laughs> but suppose, supposedly, uh, Batista is going to show up as Bane. And so, now, I could get behind that. I like I Batista. As long as he can... Do you remember me meeting Batista? No. In uh, Charleston, I no. met Batista. I was behind him in line at Walmart, and apparently WWE. I didn't get into wrestling much. It was in Charleston. Wait, that was and, recently. Uh, well, it was back in twenty, whatever. Yeah, two thousand one, two thousand. Oh, oh, that was a while. And yeah, and uh, so I didn't know who he was then. <laughs> I, w- I would have known who he is now. But um, massive dude in front of me. And we're talking because the line was long. It's a nighttime line in Walmart, so only one register's open, of course. And uh, and so there's like 90 people, and he and I are talking. We're kind of laughing about some of the choices in clothing the people in front of us made. And uh, and so he gets up there, checks out, says, "All right, man, good to see you. Uh, take care." I'm like, "Yeah, good, good to talk to you, man. Take care." And he's walking out, and this the girl goes. Oh my gosh, do you know who that was? <laughs> said, uh, no, I don't know who that was. She said, that's Batista. And I still was like, okay. <laughs> <laughs> it wasn't until later I was like, oh. And when he introduced himself to me, he's like, hey man, my name's Dave. And I was like, oh, I get it now. <laughs> I it's understand. Like that, it's like that time I got hit by Jude Law. Oh yeah, that was great. <laughs> 
Because I had no clue. In all, in all fairness, there's no way you would have known. I mean, he was in the whole uh, Civil War era get-up. You would have never known. It's also like I that mean, time I met Ric Flair. Woo! Woo! <laughs> Wait, that was at the hotel. I can neither <laughs> confirm nor deny where I worked at the time. <laughs> wow. <laughs> we weren't supposed to talk about any celebrities that we met while we were on the clock. <laughs> we we tried to get him to come to church. We did, didn't we? <laughs> yes. He was too busy styling and profiling. Oh, uh, he was in flip flops and socks. <laughs> <laughs> he was because looking he rough. Can't be. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, no. When I got hit by Jude Law, it was I didn't know it at all. We were. I mean, I should have expected it that I would see him. We were on the set of Cold Mountain, and. Yep. But we're standing there talking, and I get hit by this dude in a Civil War outfit, and he just he said, says, "Sorry, mate." He's like, "Sorry, mate." <laughs> <laughs> and he kept walking, and I'm just like, "Whatever." And then I look at Michael, and his jaws like on the ground, and I'm like, well, "What?" And he's like, "That was Jude Law, dude. He just hit you." And I was like, "What?" So I didn't wash my shoulder for a month. Then. <laughs> That was the day we got to stand behind the director's chair and see all the action. We also saw Philip Seymour Hoffman while we yep. were there. We didn't talk to him. Yeah, he's one, he's one that's passed on as well. But I literally was breathing on the neck of the director. As yeah, we the were... director that did uh, The English Patient. Yeah. yeah uh, you cut out a little bit on breathing on the neck of... Oh. <laughs> So I don't know what you said after that. He was or breathing on my neck, and I was like, "Brad, you really need to back up." I was breathing, breathing on the, on the ne- <laughs> I was breathing on the neck of the director. Literally, I was like over his shoulder, looking through the director monitor while they were mm. filming a scene with Jude Law and Philip Seymour Hoffman, because Michael and I were special guests. I'm gonna we have were, to look both of them up later. Cool. That's my only oh, yeah. claim. That's my only claim to fame. Uh, that and Lee Bryce. <laughs> you don't remember something that we did together? Wait, what? What's that? You have to remind me. Never mind. No, no, no. You, <laughs> must, you must remind me. You can't do that now. You remember when you, you called me and then I drove down from North Carolina to come down there for a concert? Oh yeah, we did uh, sing with Third Day. Oh, yep. Third Day. No, I got... Uh, I was thinking about your Garth trip. I was asked to uh, put together a choir to sing backup for Third Day. And I called Jonathan, and amongst him and other friends, we got to sing backup for Third Day for almost the entire bit of their concert. And Grape Lady offered me a grape. That Grape Lady, who's <laughs> a, also a famous musician that I can't remember her name now. But I believe it's Ellie Holcomb. Yep, she like fed a grape. Jonathan. Um. <laughs> Not quite. I don't eat grapes. So. <laughs> My leave. I lied. She gave me a grape. She didn't. She handed she, it. She offered me one and I politely declined. That's true. <laughs> no grapes, please, ma'am. It is true. One of my few regrets. Yeah, that was an interesting, because we were like, uh, we were standing up there. The curtains were down because they had like this sheer curtain up and they had lights so that you could see the shadows from the crowd. And um, as we're standing back there, Mac Powell turns around and looks at us. And he's like, are you guys ready for this? And we're like, yeah. He's like, awesome. And then he just like turns around and the 
curtain drops and he comes out singing and we were singing behind him and uh yeah that's the first time i realized that um you can have a million dollars and pay top-notch studio or top-notch sound professionals to run sound and you're still going to have sound problems Um, oh goodness yeah the keyboard guy in front of us was without monitors for the first song, and he was yelling oh, at the guy oh, beside man. the stage like, I can't hear anything! And he and, opened that song. Yeah. Oh, brutal. Like, he had his left hand playing one keyboard, right hand playing another keyboard, and playing two parts for the opening of it, and he couldn't hear. Yep. Which is <laughs> all, all, always helpful. But he managed to do it, and I went back and listened to the track, and you can't tell. Um nope. But before we had the show, Mac Powell came out and we're all standing out on stage kind of looking out and he kind of walks up with his arms crossed wearing a hat. He's like, hey guys, um, I'm Mac. (laughs) We're like, we know. (laughs) (laughs) He went around, shook our hands, asked us our names. And in attendance that night was um, the guy who wrote God's Not Dead. Yep. Nice. Because I actually know his sister and his dad and his mom. Um, now that we're dropping names and um, name dropping, yeah. <laughs> so <laughs> he was there actually to see his sister harvest Bastia, but Daniel Bastia was uh, there for her, not for us. So because he lives in Atlanta and he's friends with Mac Powell, go figure. So. That was an interesting night. It was. Uh, Jonathan and I stood next to each other and sang for that. And uh, there's a couple parts where you can hear both of us pretty pronounced in the background. Um, yeah, I have. There's one song where you can hear me real well, and there's another song where you can hear you. <laughs> of course, it's got to be the classic worship songs. Uh, Children oh. of God. And what's the other one? <laughs> uh, God of Wonders. God of Wonders, yeah. Oh, i got to have that one, of course. I think we literally sang like 10 songs with them. Oh, yeah. We were only supposed to sing like four or five. But then Mac Powell's like, no, I want them to stay up here and sing all of them. <laughs> I think we sat out for two songs, and then he brought us back out. <laughs> we, we sat out for two third-day songs and one harvest song. Yeah, that's and right. And then we came back in at uh, halfway through a different song. And finished out the show. Yeah. It was crazy. So yeah, I forgot about that. How did I forget about that? That was a big deal. I don't know. It, it's weird to get emails from Third Day giving me their music and giving me instructions on how to sing their songs. <laughs> Y'all didn't get those emails. I just passed the music on, but I was getting those, and it was like, what's going on? I'm getting emails from Third Day. Oh, goodness. <laughs> um, but yeah, so there. That was not this year. That was not a 2019 event. Um, but I think it was in 2019 that Third Day ended their their history as a band. Let's find out real quick. I think it was 2019, right? Come on, come on. That's got to be. It might have been 2018. No, 2017, actually. No, Farewell Tour. You're right, 2018. Well, they announced it in March. Yeah. So and actually, it. didn't DC Talks reunion tour wasn't that this year? That's a pretty significant thing. I think you're right. I think they did the uh, the boat trip, right? Yeah, yeah. I think that was in January. It's yeah. like back early in the year. Yeah. 
That was significant for me, being the DC Talk fan that I am. No, you don't model your style after Toby Mac at all. (laughs) (laughs) Toby Mac. I only know all all of the songs. uh, True Dog is this year. Yeah, true. He, uh, I remember my oldest son, Caleb, loved uh, listening to True Dog on That's right. Toby Max Records. Yep. True Dog died this year. He was 21? Yeah, 21 yeah. years old. He was an uh, aspiring rapper. Understandable. Actually, he was, was a rapper growing in the industry. Yeah. Yeah, I can't. Something else happened this year that I was just reading about, actually, through this thing, and it is very interesting. It ties into our Angry Christian podcast. Oh? Yeah. It's actually, apparently, John Locke had this idea a long time ago, because a new manuscript was, or not a new manuscript, a manuscript that was not previously known about was found at, where was it found at, uh... Temple of Poseidon. No. The Temple of Athena. Well, good gracious. The Temple of Aquaman. It was found at St. John's College in Annapolis. It Ah. dates back to 1667 or 68. And the title Uh of the manuscript is... Reasons for tolerating Pappas equally with others. And it was basically Locke's um, thoughts and uh, argument for getting along with Catholic brethren. (laughs) John Locke. Yep. That's funny. I mean, I see a lot of that too, by the way. I've seen a lot of that this year, but in years past as well, of... uh, pretty vehement attitudes towards Catholics. Um, now, don't get me wrong. They get a lot wrong. A lot wrong. But I'm not willing to just write off all of those who hold to Catholicism as being not Christian. Um, I think there's a lot wrong. Did I mention that? There's a lot wrong. Um <laughs> But Can you say that I, again? You broke up a little bit. But I know some <laughs> solid Catholic folks um, who I have no doubt are Christians. Uh, it's just, for whatever reason, the Catholic Church is their, their thing. Um, so that just made me think about that. All, also, Al Chap- El Chapo was recaptured. Who is also a Catholic. Wow. <laughs> like I said, there's a lot wrong. <laughs> no, I mean, you can say that about any group, really. I mean, there there are things in each groups. I mean, we talked in a podcast two times ago about the history of the uh, Southern Baptist Church, you know, and mm-hmm. it's, it's uh, issues with slavery. <clears throat> mm-hmm, um, mm-hmm. Or not having enough of an issue with slavery, I should say. That's true. <laughs> that is true. <laughs> so, um, but of course, the Methodists and their current uh, issues in the Episcopals with issues with uh, uh, homosexuality, dealing in with that, um, you have actual factions forming and possibly new denominations in the process. There's always and a new denomination. <laughs> oh, it does. It happens time and time again, over and over. Nothing new under the sun. 
It's funny we I say that too because I mean we look at 2019. I see hurricanes. I see war. I see unrest. I see another outbreak of Ebola. I see another Billy Ray Cyrus song. Oh no! Oh, oh, the plague that ruins us all. Old uh, Town Road. Oh, sorry. <laughs> so that one actually really... broke a record, by the way. It did. Yes. Longest it running at number been one. Broken before it got played. Yeah, yeah achy breaky song. <laughs> <laughs> but all of it. I mean, it's like Ecclesiastes says. There's no. There's nothing new under the sun. Not nope. a thing. Nope. Nope. Well, actually, there is something new. Are you ready? I came to oh, the real. Yeah. I came to the realization that I am going bald. So. I shaved off all my hair. Do you want the 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 sad truth? What's that? You just haven't seen your head like the rest of us have. <laughs> That's probably true. My wife my wife let me in on a little secret that I have been thinning for a while. She just hasn't said anything. And, and I said why? Did, I said why did she not? Lay out what a while was? No, no, she did not. Um, I, I asked her why. She remained silent on the matter. and uh, stress is going to make it faster. Well, she said that she knew what I was going to do if I found out I was going bald, which was shave my head. And uh, <laughs> and she didn't want me to shave my head. I said, it's too late. You done let the cat out the bag. It's gone. Do you one of those little monk shaving deals where you just do the, the top? Yeah, no. But uh, I, I appreciate the uh, recommendation. I think I'm going to have to forgo that this time. Or only Mohawk what's left. Ooh. I'm still um, thinking you need to uh, consider that face tattoo. <laughs> uh, yeah, I, I was recommended to get a face tattoo because apparently I look like God of War now. Because I have like a big, huge beard um, and a shaved head. So it looks... Makes me look like God of War, I guess. I, I don't know. I don't know. And all important in 2019, in both video games and movies, is the release of Star Wars Fallen Order and Star Wars The Rise of Skywalker. Wait, what is this Fallen Order? I haven't heard of this one. And who's beeping? Oh. Sorry, I think that's my other phone. <laughs> and what about it's the Mandalorian? Oh. Oh, the Mandalorian's unbelievable. Yeah. Best Star Wars show ever made. That by baby, far. baby Yoda is definitely the top 2019. Pablo, uh, what's his name that plays the Mandalorian? Just Pablo, fantastic. Pablo Escobar? <laughs> no. no. <laughs> Wrong one. I, tr- I tried. I don't know. I haven't seen his face. He hides it behind a mask. That's the Very way. good actor. Yeah, he's uh, he's got the uh, silent brooding type down very good. I actually, because of his voice, I thought it was Timothy Oliphant when uh, when he first started. I was like, dude from Justified? But no, I don't know how they'd get an elephant inside that outfit. Um, <laughs> Pedro Pascal. I said it wrong. Pedro Pascal. Pedro. That's his name. Yeah, no, I haven't actually looked up the actors. I've just been watching the show. Yeah. And Baby Yoda definitely steals the show. Oh, absolutely. Um, I mean, 
share my <laughs> my wife looked up we're gonna make some christmas cookies this year and it's going to be baby yoda <laughs> cookies and i saw you, her share that yes, yes. that's awesome <laughs> use use an angel cookie cutter and then just cut the angel's head off it's a little sadistic but hey if it gets baby yoda it's what you get it gets baby yoda which <laughs> which here's a new event uh, uh we can kind of close out the episode with talking about some things in significant in our lives um a year ago my church that i was the worship leader at and youth pastor at closed its doors um i spent the last year uh being a volunteer at a church which i have not done whoo 15 16 years mm. i have not volunteered at a church like i've always been on staff as a pastor or or something um for at least 15 years and uh, so this last year is the first time in 15 years that I have not had to be the guy. Um, but starting the last Sunday of this month, December 29th, um, I will officially be the worship leader at a Methodist church. Woohoo! Which, you know, some may take issue with, don't really care. Um, my, my, first chur- <laughs> my first church was an Episcopal church. Um, I grew up Southern Baptist, but my first staff position was at a Methodist or Episcopal church. Um, my second church, third church, fourth church were Baptist churches, uh, fifth church as well. And then my sixth church was a non-denominational Pentecostal church. Uh, so I feel like, you know, I'm trying to round things out. I think my next church is probably going to be Presbyterian. Um, uh, the church or, of the better test. Yeah. Or potentially, um, uh, whichever one doesn't use musical instruments, I think it's true. <laughs> Just kidding. Church Sounds like a good fit for you. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's all acapella. Um, but yeah, so that's a significant thing for us because I don't think there's any uh, secrets here. Um, our last church was a, especially in the last couple of years, was a really tough experience for us. Um, so much so that my wife and I have spent the last six months going to counseling. Um, for honestly to try and process everything that has happened to us in ministry over the years, not just that church, but over the years, as well as uh, just the things that have impacted us in our personal lives. And we have finally gotten to a place where um, we feel like we can step back into ministry. So it's taken a year um, stepping away from it to get to a place where we're, we're feeling like we can step back into this. The awesome thing is, is that the church I'm going to be on staff at is has allowed us to remain connected and involved with our current church. So we're actually going to be kind of for at least a while or a little while going to be involved in two different churches at the same time. Which is kind of ironic considering the one that you're at now. It's kind of their thing, isn't it? Churches working together in the community? Yes, yes. Hmm. I would say that's a little apropos. Yeah, in fact, the uh, campus pastor at our current church was asking, you know, when I'm going to start, and I uh, was explaining everything and uh, told him that, you know, we're still going to be around because the church that I'm talking to or that I'm going to be working at is open to us remaining connected here. And he was like, really? He goes, that's awesome. And I was like, yeah. I was like, it It really is um, interesting because that's a, it's a I, I guess I just – I don't know enough about Methodist denomination to know what they're like. I know that they have their problems just like every other denomination has. 
Um, but it's it's just been interesting up to this point about how it's all developed, how this is all coming together, and, and how it's working for us to be able to do two churches at one time, which maybe for some people that seems crazy and stupid. And I know that a lot of churches who are hiring people can't seem to grasp the concept that, you know, that I'm not just, you know, yours. Like I, I, I can help if there's churches that have need, like I should be able to work with other churches. In fact, it's in my contract. I can basically work and help any other church I want to, so long as it doesn't conflict with my contracted duties at this church. Hmm. Um, so, oh, you mean like Paul? Yeah. <laughs> so is it yeah. kind of like uh, when you go to one family function for Thanksgiving and then you got to go to the in-laws for Christmas or something like that? Yeah, so I'm doing the early morning. The contemporary service is all I'm leading worship for, um, and that's at uh, 8.45 on Sunday mornings. So it's actually on the way to our other church. So what we're going to do is we're going to go to that one at 8.45, do our thing, um, and then leave there by 9.45, 10 o'clock. Or maybe even stay past that because they have an 11 o'clock service at that church, but they do like Sunday school and everything in between. So we may stick around for that and then just go for the third service at our current church. Okay. And then my kids are going to, they have youth on Sunday nights at this new church. Um, at our current church, they have youth on Wednesday nights. So Riley's going to be involved with both youth groups. Um, in fact, she's excited about the one at the new church because they have a youth praise team and she wants to be in the praise team. Um, uh, the other start. church, yeah, our current church has a praise team for the youth. Um, but she's kind of scared to get into that one because that's a big church. Um, you know, the youth group probably runs a couple hundred kids, and so it kind of freaks her out about being in front of that. So, yeah, uh, it's that's a big development for us because it, it's been a lot of hard personal work to get to a place where both myself and my wife are open to this. Um, yeah, like I said, not going to go into any details, but... You know, when you go through a lot of heartache and a lot of pain and a lot of struggles in ministry, it's hard to feel the passion, desire, or want to to get back into it. Um, so I think we're finally on getting to the other side of that. We're not 100% to the other side, but I think this is God's way of helping us kind of transition. Absolutely, man. I think it's an awesome blessing. Oh, yeah. I hope it goes better than my... Uh my stint with the Methodist Church staff. <laughs> <laughs> no, I will. Mine was just a fluke. Um, yeah. But no, you, you know, uh, the difference in Methodist and Baptist is uh, sprinkle and dunk. Pretty <laughs> much it. <laughs> no, it's true. I mean, I looked at their their list of beliefs on their website, and I was like, I agree with all this stuff. Yep. You know, How so. am I just now finding you? Yeah. <laughs> That's right, and so I, I, I think it's significant as well for me because the day I start at the new church is is literally one year to the day that I left our last church. Pretty awesome. Yeah. So it's like a turning that new leaf. It's like, you know, couldn't be more opposite of the church we left to. <laughs> so. well, God's pretty big on milestones, so he's... He, Think does things to remind us. So it's not insignificant. I mean, no, 
No, because I've applied and I've actually been in conversations with several churches for the last six months. Churches, I thought for sure this was going to work out. And they all ended up either just going uh, radio silent or coming back and letting me know that they've decided to uh, rethink what they want to do. And so they're not going to be hiring. And I was like, what the heck? Like, these are all positions I was more than qualified for. One was a youth assistant job. I have a youth ministry degree. <laughs> I have been a youth pastor in every one of my churches for the last 15 years. The answer and, to that is, uh, sorry, I can't assist because there's no help for our youth. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Another one was. Another one was uh, a Baptist church looking for a worship leader for their worship service, which was a contemporary service in general. Um, and they just disappeared off the map. It's like I went and visited, like took my whole family, met the pastor. He's like, yeah, we need to get together. And then that was it. Like, never heard back. I was like, whoa. So it just seemed weird. And then I stumbled upon this job posting for this church. And, and it just, the pieces came together in a really weird way. And uh, here we are. Now Brad's a Methodist. <laughs> What's your method? Uh, I've been waiting to ask that for like five minutes. <laughs> I, I stepped in. <laughs> yeah, you did. My method is not going to be like anything I've been... Like, I'm not going to conduct myself in ways I have in pretty much any church previous to this. So. I have one question. Yeah. Is Method Man a Methodist? I don't know. Is is Red Man a Native American? Oh. Ah. The, the answer to that question is no. Uh, <laughs> and, <laughs> and the follow-up is that they're both potheads. Um, <laughs> you don't say. I'm just saying. Just saying. Uh, but anyway, any any of you guys, either any of you guys, either of you guys, have a significant event from 2019 in your personal life that you want to end the show on? Oh goodness! Uh, I have gone from being daddy to dad. Oh, which is a terrifying change on the growing up of kids. Mm-hmm. Daddy, uh, dad. Oh, yeah. Nah. Um. I joined a band. You did in 2019, which has been fun. Not a Christian band; it's a rock band. I mean, it's a Christian it's, band. It's full of Christians, though. Right. <laughs> That's what makes it a Christian band. Exactly. I've always loved that question. Is this a Christian band? I don't know. Are the members Christians? <laughs> yeah. Uh, they have been called a a dad band before I joined, and it makes sense because we're all dads. All of their um, instruments are radically saved. Yes. <laughs> Um, it's fun. I've played in some places that I've never been before. <laughs> like what? Uh, you know, like bars and stuff. Oh, I grew okay. up in the uh, the Salvation Army. Oh, that's denomination. true. And one of the things you do when you come into membership there is instead of going through baptism and like or like the Baptists where they vote you in. Uh, you sign articles of war, as they say. Oh my! Um, but what it is, it's, it's outlining your beliefs and the doctrines of the Salvation Army, and then because of those beliefs, things that you promise to not do. 
and it's a list of sins and things that could lead towards sins and temptations. Um, and one of those is abstaining from alcoholic beverages. Gotcha. Baptists do that too, but what really happens is is they just keep it in the fridge in the garage at home. Yeah. Well, what and, they do is they, they hire these old ladies that walk around town, and they look for your tag in front of any kind of <laughs> local bar. <laughs> And then on Sunday they talk about you in front of everybody. Oh yeah, <laughs> and then and then you spend the rest of the time denying that was you. Oh, sounds like uh, a Monty Python skit. <laughs> if it only I hadn't actually seen that happen. <laughs> no, probably my first experience in bars. No, no food, anything, just straight alcohol, and also the most conversations about Christ that I've seen outside of a church function. Awesome. That's true. Your singer does make it a point to work that in. Yes. So, That's awesome. So it's one thing to just go and you go. entertain a bunch of alcoholics. It's another thing to go and put some seeds. Yes. Exactly. That's, you that's, never know where that person's point is. Yeah. One Very beer, awesome. two beers, three beers. <laughs> <laughs> oh. <laughs> Uh, wrong point, sorry. Wrong point. <laughs> <laughs> Call a cab. Um, how about you, Mr. Miguel? Well, we are just chugging along. I have a hunch that 2020 is going to be oh, big. Um, and 2019, I've got a sixth grader and a senior. So... We're in very big um, transition stages for wow. each. Yeah. Um, we have a new bearded dragon we got in February named Rowdy. And, uh, <laughs> of course, like all pets, uh, Is I he a take wrestler? more care of him than anybody. <laughs> well, Connor got, when we got him, Connor's like, oh, he's, he's, he's rambunctious. Yeah, it's the completely wrong name for this lizard. He's just chill. He, he he lays on my chest and watches his TV, which is even does. better, even better. <laughs> <laughs> but no, uh, other than that, there's not uh, anything of great, vast uh, craziness that I'm aware of. Then again, my wife probably reminded to remind me of it when she listens to this. She'll be like, "You didn't talk about this." <laughs> yeah, um, I'm not looking forward to that conversation. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, sure I did. We just cut that part out. <laughs> I lost it in edit. I'm sorry, babe. The weirdest I, I thing. I mute for some reason. Well, that's very strange. So whatever it was, babe, I'm sorry. And uh, <laughs> It was significant. Uh, other than that, uh, yeah, just ready to get to 20, I think. I'm ready as well. Because that means... I will be in the midst of a whole new world. I am getting ready to put did that on. Did come out this uh, year? What? Yeah, I think it did it actually. Aladdin. The Aladdin. live one. It did. Yeah, I think it was early. I think it was like February. It did. It did. I I was hesitant, but then I watched it because I was a little nervous of how they were going to do the genie. I was less concerned about the other characters. And the genie uh, fixed it from where it was going. Yeah, yeah, I was a little, a little concerned, and it turned out okay. Turned out okay. So that's. I am going to uh, put on 
on the uh, blog page um, a something about Advent. I've just been uh, mulling over Advent lately, and we mm. as we wrap up 2019 and look forward to 2020. That's what Advent is: is hopeful anticipation. Correct. And I've been thinking about the hopeful anticipation of Christ's birth that we celebrate in Advent, but I've also been thinking about how we as Christians should always live in hopeful anticipation of the coming of Christ. So, something to look forward to on the on the blog later. Yeah, you know, and I think about that. The church that I'm going to be starting at. Something that I feel like a liturgical churches grasp a little better than uh, your basic average evangelical church, like Baptist denominations. I mean, I know they do a little bit with it in the season, but the liturgical churches, Methodist, uh, Episcopal, Presbyterian, Catholic, whatever, you know, there's a lot of emphasis on this time of year and, and the Advent. Oh, yeah. And yeah. You know, I think they do a really good job of calling attention to it. Um, you know, they they work in. I mean, everything is significant in what they do for uh, the order of services and the daily readings and and I just look at it and I'm just like, wow. They, you know, there, a lot of thought has been put into that. Absolutely. To to, to literally fill the entire month of December. From the first all the Let way through. Let me tell through you, one of the most the... beautiful things, like you were saying earlier, there's things the Catholic Church doesn't do, right? But the the uh, reverence on uh, Christmas Eve night, that's, that's my tradition, is I watch Christmas Vacation, of course. But of course. after after that, um, as it's getting later, I'm wrapping presents, and I turn on the, uh, the Christmas Eve Mass, and uh, wow, you just talk about the reverence and the... I mean, yeah, it's excess and stuff, but it's about the focus. Mm. It's really awesome. Yeah, absolutely. Well, I think that's a good way to end the episode. One thing I wanted to point out, just as kind of a cool thing, um, I need to do the numbers, Um but I've been checking out our statistics on our podcast, and um, you know this doesn't have anything to do with the Advent season. This just has to do with uh, you know the you know the listeners and just the the following that we've had. Uh, let me see if I can just run real quick the numbers for you guys um, because I think this is pretty cool what we have accomplished here. So, uh, just bear with me. Um, so, so we started back in, what was it? September? Yeah. Yes. September. Yeah. And, um, since September, um, we have gotten, almost 2,500 downloads of our podcast. This is our first season. Wow. And this, we will surpass that with the release of this episode for 2019. Um, well, thank you all. Yeah. Yes. Uh, I don't know if it'll get us to 3,000 with our first season, but... If not, y'all need to get on it. <laughs> That's right, because uh, if you uh, you take that, you just kind of divide it by the number of episodes that we have. Um, 
we're actually doing better than the average podcast, which uh, I'm not, I'm not saying that we're striking or out to try and become, you know, the next biggest podcast sensation. Um, cause there's billions of podcasts out there covering what probably, do we do every night? Peaky try to take over the world. Um, <laughs> but uh, you know, I do, I do think that this is just a, re- a reflection of the fact that the stuff that we're covering, the things that we talk about, um, people are thinking about those things. Um, they're interested in those things. And this is, uh, you know, these topics are, are things that people think about and are concerned about. And so we're hitting a chord and I'll be honest, it's, it's something I never imagined. Um, I had, I had some pretty negative words spoken about me with regards to ministry and just my lack of, uh, because of whatever their per perspective on how I handled some things, they felt that, um, I, I deserved basically to, lose all influence in ministry and that I would just um, fall off the radar, if you will, and become a train wreck and that they could watch the train wreck as it happened. And I just look at this and and I think, you know, it's crazy that, you know, just the five of us here talking through things and reading scripture and laughing and having a good time, we're reaching literally two and a half thousand people. That's crazy. Yeah. Yep. Crazy. And, you know, we only put the podcast out twice a month. <laughs> um, this month is just going to be once. And, you know, is that, I don't know. I mean, that, that to me, and it's not just, it's not just, um, you know, 2,500 people. If I look at the list of countries that are represented in this, that were having an impact, it's crazy. We are literally being listened to on every continent of the of the globe. Every single continent that we have at least one person listening to us. Incredible. There are 30, 30 people in Nigeria. 10 in Ghana. We have one. Hey. Yeah, 69 in Kenya. <laughs> 31 in South Africa. 2 in Russia. Three in Finland, five in Sweden, nine in Norway, three in China, um, eight in Japan. What? A hundred and twenty-nine in India. Uh, one in Pakistan, one in Myanmar. What? Five in Thailand, three in Vietnam, a hundred and nine in Philippines. Um, All right. Seven in Malaysia. Seventeen in Malaysia. Sorry. Seven in Indonesia. 80 in Australia, 19 in New Zealand, 7 in Brazil, uh, 2 in Colombia, 10 in Mexico, 122 in Canada, um, 4,242, now this is including the our, our website as well, um, 4,242 people in America, uh, and then, you know, in Europe... 22 in Germany, 11 in France, 146 in the UK, 15 in Ireland, 2 in Poland, 2 in Russia, 2 in Romania, 4 in Italy, 3 in Spain, 2 in Greece, 3 in Turkey. We have 1 in Lebanon. Like what? Lebanon. 
two in the United Arab Emirates. You know, that's just crazy to think about this podcast and this blog having this kind of um, reach. And that's just a, that's not even the whole list of countries, by the way. So I was going to insert a joke with all these numbers going by and I was going to end with a partridge in a pear tree. Um, (laughs) But I was Googling the 12 days of Christmas real quick. And if you look up the lyrics right now, as of this podcast, they are completely butchered. They are. Uh, Google. <laughs> They're completely butchered? Yes. Uh, skipping ahead to after the second day, where it should say on the third day. It says, on the fourth day of Christ, on the third day of Christmas, my true love gave to me five <laughs> golden rings, four calling birds, three French beds, hens, two turtle doves, and a partridge in a pear tree. And then it jumps to on the ninth day of Christmas. Whoa. And on the Whoa. eighth day of Christmas. Wow. Do you see this? Yes, I do. Yeah, I'm looking at it right now. <laughs> That Weird. is really bad. And then there's a bunch of doo doo doos and dee doo doos. And then I had <laughs> I had Christmas down in Africa. Uh, oh, is it the? Uh, it must be the uh, oh, uh, straight so, no chaser version. It is. <laughs> it is. I, I feel like I need to go listen to this one now. <laughs> oh yes, great version. Because of the dee doo doos, of course, and oh dreidel dreidel hey. dreidel. Yeah. For, for all those all those numbers you were saying, I want to seriously uh, say, you know, it's awesome, awesome that these people. Um, I hope that we're reaching many brothers and sisters who who have like mindedness uh, with us in some of the things we're dealing with that they can relate to as well. Yeah. But also for those that are unbelievers and just want to know um, the Christian life and, and understand it a little bit better, we hope that we can be that. Reach out to us. Um, you know, I don't speak Russian. I don't speak, um, I actually don't speak Fonti for those in Ghana. I don't speak, uh, <laughs> in, any, any of these languages, but, uh, thank goodness we have Google translator and yeah. I know people, that, I do know people that speak these languages. So feel free to reach out to us, talk to us, give us some feedback, let us know how you feel, what you're dealing with. And we will, uh, gladly, um, uh, talk back at you as yeah. we say down here. Absolutely. And, uh, and uh, I, I just want to say that everybody there is an encouragement. I know that right now the folks, I, I didn't hear you, hear you say Uganda, that might be on there. The folks in Uganda are dealing with great flooding. You folks in the Philippines that have listened, uh, we're praying for you through the earthquakes that you've had um, and all those others. Yes, Uganda is on parts. here. Yep. So, so shout out to you, brothers and sisters, and those that uh, hopefully will be brothers and sisters with us in Christ. Yeah, absolutely. I think that's... Uh for sure. And I know, you know, as 2020 comes on in roaring like a lion, I'm sure uh, we'll have a lot more to talk about and discuss as hopefully you will join us as well. And anyway, we really appreciate you spending the last half of 2019 with us. And uh, we're looking forward to season number two coming out. Um, in January, at some point, I'm not sure what it's going to look like. We've got some things cooking, potentially some interviews with some interesting stories. Uh, we've got um, stories. We do have a mystery. So be on the lookout for that. I think you're going to like some of the stuff that we're going to bring because we're just trying to keep the content fresh 
I know you like listening to us. That's probably your favorite part. Um, but we we want to um, bring <laughs> we want to bring in different voices because we're not the only voice to bring uh, stuff to you guys. So there's a lot of people with with stories that I, that's the thing is there's people with stories that I think are going to really impact you and give you some things to think about in the way of being uh, an angry Christian, because the people that I have in mind that we have in mind have had probably ample reason to hate God and didn't. In fact, it changed them and made them a highly influential voice for God in, in our country. Uh, And I'm talking about several of them. So we'll see how it goes. Look for it. Uh, don't forget that we do have a blog, eagerfortruth.com. Um, if you go there, you can find all of our podcasts, all of our articles. And like Michael mentioned, I think he's got something coming out about Advent. I'm excited. That'll be his first contribution to Eager for Truth. Um, so thank you for that, Michael. Yeah, and, man. And then... Um, I'm still waiting for Jonathan to write something. Um, yeah, I'm not a writer. <laughs> okay. <laughs> he writes music. Um, so you, hey, all the stuff, that that's true. All the stuff you hear on here, all the music uh, is usually coming from Jonathan. So, um, uh, so he does participate in the writing. It's just a different language. Um, <laughs> uh, anyway, so we do have Eager for Truth. We also have a, a t-shirt store if you want to go out and help support this, what I want to call a ministry. Um, you can go to teespring.com, T-E-E-S-P-R-I-N-G.com. You can look up the Angry Christian Podcast there, and you'll find our merch store um, loaded with all sorts of fun goodies. We even put up a new design of our logo. So if you don't like the don't be angry shirt, there's a cool face with the angry, it's a half angry face, half angel smiling face. Um, so, uh, I think some of the guys on the team want that shirt. (laughs) I know I do. And, uh, anyways, you can go out there and find that. So anyway, we love you. Um, if you're listening to this close to New Year's, we say Happy New Year's. If you're listening to it close to Christmas, we say Merry Christmas. We are unashamed to say that. Uh, we love you. We appreciate you. And we'll see you next year. Shut up.